Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. In this episode, missionary Chris Gibbs delivers a message entitled, Revival Begins at Home. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about our church and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'm sure many of you can quote this by heart. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Say witnesses. Unto me both in Jerusalem. Say Jerusalem. And in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And from this single scripture, I want to preach from this subject today with the help of the Lord. Revival begins at home. And if you would lift your hands and close your eyes and let's talk to the Lord one more time. Lord, I thank you for my home church. Lord, I thank you for my pastor, his family. I thank you, God, for the elders in this church and the ministry that is here. God, I thank you for every guest, every visitor, every youth, every young person that has walked through the doors of New Life Christian Center. God, you have gathered us here together for such a time as this, Lord. We have come hungry and desiring and thirsting for you, God. We desire more than we can put together in our own ability. We desire more than what connections can bring into our life, God. We're not, Lord, wanting what the arm of flesh can bring or the will of man can produce. But, God, we are hungry and desiring, Lord, something that has the fingerprint of the Lord Jesus Christ upon him. I want something, Lord, in my life. I want something, Lord, in my family, God, that I cannot Lord take credit for but I want to step back and I want to bow down and say look what the Lord has done I'm asking you Lord today to let your fingerprint Lord rest upon this great church upon every family upon every member every every guest that has walked through these doors God for you have called us into this end time you have Lord and gifted us and empowered us and strengthened us and Lord today we are hungering and we are thirsty God for righteousness and for the kingdom of God to be revealed Lord it's my prayer today God let revelation come let manifestation come let what has been hidden be seen God and reveal your will in our lives God for we have stepped to the door the precipice of eternity to the end time God you are raising up nation after nation God I have watched young men and women step to pulpits and use under the inspiration and the power of God. I have watched elderly Lord cry out in a prayer meeting and the hand of God has moved. Lord, you are ready and you are willing and you have designed it all but you need that intricate peace and that's us sitting on these pews today to rise up, to stand up and the Lord gather together for this great end time harvest of souls. God, and quicken, quicken us, empower us today, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord. Strengthen our families, strengthen in our homes. Strengthen a single mother and a single father. Strengthen a widow today, God, for we are the family of God and we are the body of Christ. And Lord, we can do nothing by ourselves, but Lord, through you, we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. And if you believe that today, let's clap our hands under the Lord today. Let's thank him for his presence that is in this church. His presence that is here. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Revival begins at home. We read in our opening text this familiar passage written by Dr. Luke. 
letting us know that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Uh, I purposely asked everybody to say the word witness because it is key in this verse. I asked everyone to say Jerusalem because it's key in this verse today with what the Lord has given me. When we see this word witness, we find the writer letting us know that it is a legal term. It is not just simply somebody who has seen something, but it literally in the Greek language is a, a legal term, letting us know that the word is talking about testifying to what someone has seen and heard. When you go into a courtroom in Fairfield County, they will call witnesses many times, and those witnesses are required under oath to tell the truth to what they have seen and what they have heard. When we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, we have been brought into this courtroom called life, and it is mandatory upon all all of us, that we must testify to what we have seen and what we have heard. And if we will not testify, we can be forced to testify or we can be put in jail for not testifying. We have to be willing to share what God has done in our lives. And the reality in a church this old and a church with this much history is if we opened the mic today and said, let's begin to testify around the room to what you have seen and what you have heard, the service would go into tomorrow, into Wednesday, into next Sunday, because we can testify to the good of God and all that he has done. I want to thank him today that I've got a testimony that I can tell people. I can tell you what I've seen. I can tell you what I've heard. I can tell you what I've experienced. I'm not telling you something from a 2000 year old book, but I'm telling you about something that is real in my life today. And it's no accident that the Bible tells us, Jesus said it must be both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. When we talk about evangelism, we tell, we say this is it's concentric evangelism. It's like a circle, the rings of a tree. Jesus said, start at the base, start at Jerusalem, then spread out to Judea, then go to Samaria, where you've got people of different nationalities, different backgrounds, and then I will open the door for you to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about reaching the lost, and we talk about revival, we've got to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, but I tell the aimers that come to Malawi, I tell the young people as we have traveled, and I even tell the ministers as we have traveled, long before you reach a soul outside of your own country, long before you reach another nationality in your own nation, and long before you go across the town into Judea somewhere else, you better make sure that there is a witness that is going on in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the mother of us all. Jerusalem is home. In other words, what are you saying, Brother Gibbs? I'm saying long before I teach a Bible study to a stranger, my own children, my own wife, and my household better know the things of God. There is a huge, massive deficiency in the kingdom of God right now where we are overlooking, overstepping, and walking right on by those that sleep in our house and eat at our table, and we're looking to the world around us. But I'm telling you, long before we teach a Bible study, preach a message, pass out a track, make sure the word of God, the kingdom of God is alive in your house. A lawyer can be dishonest. 
and still be considered the most talented in the community. A physician can be an alcoholic and still be esteemed as the most prolific surgeon. But as a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the most powerful message that we can display to the world is the one that we live. People are watching our lives. People are watching our marriages. People are watching our children. People are watching our homes. And the question today is, do they see Jesus? Amen. Jesus admonished us for us to be witnesses in Jerusalem first. Jerusalem represented home where you are from. Those that know you the most uh, long before the world hears about Jesus Christ. My family and my home must know him. We're living in a world right now that we are seeing a direct attack coming against families. The average American family spends 37 minutes per day of quality time together. The other 23 plus hours are working and doing what we want. Let me say it again. The average American family spends just 37 minutes a day together of quality time. The average family in the United States of America spends 5.1 hours daily on sports and leisure activities while family time and household activities together equal 1.7 hours, almost two and a half times of our lives are dedicated more to sports and more to leisure activities. In other words, doing what we want to do instead of taking care of business at home. I'm not here today to coddle anybody. I'm not here to ruffle any feathers, but the reality is revival does not begin in an altar. It does not begin anywhere else, but in the home of a man or woman of God that understands the kingdom of God is bigger than the four walls of a church. Evangelists, we don't bring revival in suitcases, but everybody wants it in a suitcase. It doesn't begin by the evangelist. It won't come today by me being here and preaching what God has given me. The reality is, is when we pick up the things of God and carry them into the silence, into the privacy of our own homes. When God arises at your address, then revival can break out at the church. Because if revival's here and it doesn't go home with us, we have missed the entire kingdom of God. It's got to be in the house. It's got to be in the home. Low-income families spend 8.8 hours together while high-income families spend 7.4 hours together. I am not against finances. I am not against bettering ourselves. I am not against the better house and the better car and the better clothes and the better sports equipment. I'm not against any of it. But I'm telling you, if anything comes between us and our homes, we've got to take account and we've got to put things in order it's the biblical blueprint Jesus said if you want to reach Jerusalem uh, you've got a, a Judea Samaria the uttermost parts of it. I need you to start in Jerusalem first start at home 63% of our children said they would rather have more family time than a new toy or electronic device Mother, 
father, siblings, your presence matters in the home. Stuff will not satisfy. Relationships will not satisfy. The vacation will not satisfy. But we've got to make sure we're taking care of those in our home that God has made us accountable for. I can be honest. I remember the year we saved up and went to Mauritius, all of us. The island off the coast of Africa. Saved up money to go 16 days. Of course, you know me. Uh, I'm going to find a deal. I found a five-bedroom house with seven bathrooms, its own in-ground pool, and it was $65 a night. I said, if we don't even go, I feel justified. <laughs> and, we had, and we spent Christmas there. It was the last family time together before Caleb headed to Bible school with all of us together. And I thought this will be great. And I remember uh, about a year later, I was sitting with Caleb talking. We were home, of course, during COVID and we met up and we were talking and Caleb said, man, I really uh, enjoyed the vacations we had. He, but I'll never forget his words. He said, I wish you would have spent the money and took us to because of the times. I wish you'd have spent the money and took us to a general conference. He said, don't get me wrong, Dad. We live in church every single day. But he said, the vacations come and go. The sports come and go. He said, but I need something that will sustain me for the rest of my life. He said, I need to be in that atmosphere. I need to be in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. It's what drives me. It's what helps me. It's what will get me through this world. I'm telling you, we're no different. It's our kids. It's our wives. It's our husbands. It's our families. We're all longing for the same thing, but we don't want to admit what it is. It's just simply getting lost and putting him first and foremost again in our lives. It's easy to let stuff get in the way. Sister Vesta Mangan's always said it. It's all wood, hay, and stubble. And it's a reality. It's all going to be burned up. But the things that we pour into our lives in the kingdom of God will last forever. There's got to be a hunger inside of you, Father. There's got to be a desire inside of you, Mom. There's got to be a desire in us young people, single young lady, single young man, that says, I need more of God. Revival begins in me. It begins in my apartment when I'm all by myself and no one is there to sing a song and no one is there to shout. It begins with me in a prayer meeting. If we will do the things in private and in silence and obscurity, God will openly reward, bless, and pour out of his spirit. I read an interesting article this week from self-proclaimed Christian TV actor and author Kirk Cameron. Mr. Cameron has been traveling across the United States. I didn't even know about this. Just read it. Uh, by happenstance, and he's been traveling for five months across the U.S. promoting his Christian-based children's book entitled As You Grow. As You Grow, he said, was born out of his uh, watching the United States of America in particular. He said, I became very weary watching drag queens and uh, people teaching our children in public school settings. And his book is about teaching children how to grow in God through the fruit of the Spirit. Mr. Cameron decided that this book must be written, he said, because I cannot watch another classroom of children be taught by a drag queen or a cross-dresser actively reading stories across our nation. That's going on right now in the United States of America. 
after Mr. Cameron finished his remarks, he said, it's been amazing. He said, I am thronged by people that come. Hundreds and thousands are gathering for these readings as he is simply sharing the fruit of the Spirit to children. And the parents, they're panicked and they're overwhelmed and they press against him with questions. And some of the questions I wrote down, they said, we earnestly long for a return to the wholesome God-honoring pro-American values. He said, the people want to know where, why is there seemingly a sudden increase in pedophiles in our world? Sexual deviants are everywhere. Why do we have so many amoral and plainly immoral educators, school administrators, school boards, politicians, community leaders, uh, even judges determined on advancing the sexualization of our innocent children? He was quoted as saying, pushing perversion into the hearts and minds of the most impressionable among us. Why are too many of these leaders hiding their divergent sex education classes and their gender-affirming curriculum from parents of students? In other words, this movement desires to strip moms and dads of the rights and the ability and the knowledge to determine when and how their children are exposed to sensitive topics. Our families are under attack on every side. Why do these groups of decadent influencers have to gain, some would ask. In short, it was said their ambition is to totally break down and collapse the family. Their target is your children and my children. Their goal is social chaos. In some cases, they have been successful and tragically successful. That's the danger we are in right now. Revival begins in the home of an apostolic man or woman that will bend a knee in prayer and proclaim, thus saith the Lord, hear, O Israel. Israel, the Lord our God is one. If they only hear the gospel from Pastor Keller or the great ministry team of this church, we are failing. The word of God, the bread of life has to be broken daily in our homes. And you don't need a Bible school education to make it happen. All it takes is a heart willing. Us dads don't know everything about football, but our children grow up and think we do. We don't know everything about cars, but our children grow up and think we do. Why? Because we're convincing, because we love it, we want to talk about it, and we share it. And you know what? The gospel, the word of God, can be the exact same way. It doesn't take articulation. It doesn't take an incredible mind of hermeneutics and homiletics. All you've got to do is sit down and say, there's no one like Jesus. Share your testimony. Share your story. Share an answered prayer with the children in your home, with your wives. Make sure the things of God are present in the house day in and day out, because revival Revival is needed in our world, but it's going to begin in our homes. Oh, some, Mr. Cameron said, seem to enjoy praying on innocent children to satisfy their own perverse urges. He said, I believe there is a more sinister goal, a noxious construct that influences the hope to build by targeting your children and my children. Our forefathers, our foremothers, 
that helped found this country and those that have gone on before us would offer this culture preserving advice from the Bible. We would hear things like train up your children in the way that they should go. Husbands, love your wives. Let me say it again. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, honor your husbands. I'll say it again. Wives, honor your husbands. It's the greatest message you will ever preach. It's the greatest life you will ever live. It will open the door to peace, unity, and harmony, and the flowing of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, you've got to testify to what you have seen and what you have heard, but it begins in Jerusalem. It begins in the home. Unity begins in the home. If I am in a disagreement and I am not getting along with Penny and Gibbs and there is a conflict there, the Bible plainly tells us my and her prayers will be hindered. In other words, the Lord said, I don't want to hear your petitions, your cries, your complaints, or your victories. If you can't get this in order, you can't get this in order. I need you to make sure the home is in divine order. When the home is in divine order, then the hand of God opens the windows of heaven and revival is poured out into a man, into a woman. Long before you run the aisles in a church, you will dance your jig in a living room where the presence of God overshadows you. And it's more important than what's the daily sitcom. We are in the end times. We're running out of grace. We're in a season where we've got decisions to make and I can be honest and frank, they are not easy sometimes. But we've all got to draw lines in the sand. There is a crossroads before all of us and God is asking us, will we pay the price? I told somebody this week, Jonah paid the price to walk away from the presence of God and you will pay the price to go into the will of God. There is always a cost. But I am going to pay the one that pays eternal dividends. I am going to lay up treasures in heaven. I am going to make sure me and my family, for as us, we will serve the Lord. I can't worry about that family. I can't worry about this family. I want them all to be saved. But at the end of the day, I've got to take care of Chris and Penny and JC and Caleb Gibbs. If you're a single parent, you can do it, mom. You can do it, dad. If you're a single young person, not married, uh, uh, anyone, a widower here today, you can do it all by yourself because with you and Jesus, all things are possible. We should be hearing things like this, that uh, love God and one another sincerely from the heart. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Honor one another above yourselves. We used to hear, don't be lazy. Work hard. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in trouble. I don't like that scripture because I know to get patience, I've got to walk in trouble. But the reality is God will be our provider. God will be our way maker. And it's in that trouble that I realize how great and how powerful and how mighty he is. And the patience of God can be birthed in us in the middle of a storm. Keep on praying, we would hear. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. But our present world is being pushed to embrace agendas 
from every facet of life, every educational background, every mindset is constantly pervaded upon the church. And we see that these things are not rooted in Christian values. It was in 1948, German political philosopher Karl Marx authored the Communist Manifesto. He listed his beliefs to change his known world. Karl Marx is known as the father of communism and his teachings are currently being embraced on many university campuses across the United States of America and around the world. They're teaching it in South Africa. They're teaching it in Kenya. They're teaching it in Accra, Ghana. We are seeing these things spread from campus to campus around the world and we are seeing these things and the effects upon the cultures and nations of our world. For some people, they're thinking, what is the Communist Manifesto? The tenets or base principles of Marxism were simple. Number one, eliminate religion. Watch our world. Think of the newspaper. Think of what we're dealing with day in and day out in our world. Number two, if you eliminate religion, number two will come to pass. You will break up the family. And if you break up the family, number three will come. You will bust up society as we know it. And if you do that, number four will come to pass. Out of the disruption, out of the disorganization and lack of unity will rise the opportunity to seize power, to fundamentally change nations and America. Or as Victor Davis Hansen, senior fellow at Hoover Institution, recently was quoted as saying, he said, their goal is to deconstruct America. What was some of Karl Marx's most famous quotes about religion? He was quoted as saying the first requisite for happiness of the people. If you're going to make people happy, abolish religion. Number two, religion is the opium of the people. If people are to know and understand the real world they live in, they must give up superstitious beliefs because they have a narcotic effect on their minds. And number four, he said, the object of my life is to dethrone God and to destroy capitalism. Aristotle, the famous Greek philosopher, said that to understand a thing, one must study its origins. How did this young German boy raised in a home grow up to make statements like my goal in life is to dethrone God. If I want to bring happiness to the society, I've got to abolish religion. I'll tell you where it all began because Karl Marx grew up to say and the first thing that he learned was the things in his household. That's what molded and shaped him. It was home. His history Karl Marx, study it out. He was born into a Jewish home of all things. His father was Herschel Marx. He was a lawyer by profession, but Herschel was a descendant of a well-respected line of rabbis. But when the Prussian government in 1816 passed a law forbidding anyone on the Jewish faith to practice law, Herschel Marx abandoned his Jewish faith and he embraced the Protestant church. He allowed his name to be changed so he could embrace and fit in. And it was quoted by him saying, I joined the church and walked away from my Jewish 
roots and the, all the things that I learned, he said, simply so I could have an entrance card into the European community and culture. Karl Marx's mother was not educated, but she also was raised by a powerful Jer- uh, Jewish family. Her father was a renowned Jewish rabbi in the nation of Holland. But the problem is, what happened to little Carl? What happened was mom and dad, especially dad, sold out. It's better to be a lawyer. And they lived in the upper class. They had all of the wealth and all the things you could imagine. But you listen to the writings of Karl Marx as a young man. He was bitter against all of those things. His dad, instead of sticking to his Jewish roots and saying, I will find another profession, he said, I will pursue this. I will turn my back on my Jewish heritage. I will turn my back on Jehovah. I will change my name, everything about me. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in an hour where we must buy the truth and sell it not. Daddy, this is not an hour to sell the farm. This is not an hour to backslide. This is not an hour to digress in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For I hear Paul saying that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation unto the Jew first and unto the Greek. We've got an atheist communistic manifesto spreading across our world because we've got a mom and dad that refused to hold on to the things that were poured into them. This is not an hour to let go, mom. This is not an hour to let go, dad. This is not an hour, a widower, to digress. This is not an hour, single person, to step back. This is an hour where we've got to stand strong in the power of God. This is an hour where we have got to refuse to back up. This is an hour where we must understand revival begins in my home. Nobody can bring it into my house but us. We've got to do it. We've got to usher him. And nobody's going to knock on my door and say, can I read the word of God in your house today? It's not going to happen. No one's going to show up and say, let's have a prayer meeting in the Gibbs household when you're in room 1219 at the Protea in Johannesburg. No one's going to come, but we've got to make sure that we open the word of God. We open our mouths in prayer. It's got to take place now. There's no time like the present. We're not here to think about what was. We're here to think about what can be. What is before us? It's all behind us. It's under the blood. Move on. We've all made mistakes as parents. We've all made mistakes as husbands or wives, spouses. We've all made mistakes as siblings, as young people. But the reality is this is the hour to make our calling and election sure in the things of God. This is an hour to put all of our eggs in one basket, if you will, because we have to understand revival begins in the home. It's in Mark 3 and 24 through 27. Jesus said, if a kingdom be divided against itself, the kingdom can not stand. He breaks it down a little further. If a house 
be divided against itself. That house cannot stand. That word house, it means a dwelling place, your habitation. It's not talking about the house of God. It's talking about your address, where your rug and your favorite chair is. If your house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If Satan rise against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house, his dwelling, without spoiling his goods except he first bind the strong man then he will spoil the house gentlemen you are the strong man of your house and hell has an agenda unleashed against you you have got to stand strong in the power of God in this hour if you are a single mom you are the strong man of that house if you are a young person living in an apartment by yourself you are at Bible school in your dorm you are the strong man of that house and you've got to know an enemy is coming and he's desiring to trip you up and to despoil the house and to spoil everything. Attacks will come against the home. Attacks will come against the family. But there is nothing that a relationship with Jesus Christ and a prayer meeting and walking with God daily in our homes cannot overcome. Don't ever underestimate the power of a prayer meeting in your house. Don't ever underestimate reading a chapter out of the Word of God that you may not even understand in your house. It's the infallible, inerrant Word of God. Let it move into the corridors. Let it walk into the kitchen. Let it flow through your basement. Let the Word of God move into our homes and watch God begin to galvanize the unit called the family. How do we ensure our homes, our families stay strong? We must let the kingdom of God arise in our homes. Let our homes truly be called a house of prayer. Let it be said the first place our children heard prayer was in our homes. Let it be said that the first place our children heard the sound of worship was not on a radio, not in a worship service, but in our homes. Revival begins in the home. It's in Hebrews 11 and 7. The Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not as yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He said, God's got to take care of the world, but I've got to take care of the home. And by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness by faith. But today, in closing, I want to share with you, and I want to draw your attention to this powerful man, Moses. There's not too many men in the scripture that captivate us like Moses, have a story like Moses, have a, a lineage and a history like Moses. But there's something powerful that we notice in the word of God about Moses. This one that was called out of the house of Pharaoh to be the deliverer of the Jews from Egypt. This man, Moses, we know the story, spends 40 years of his life learning as an adopted son of Egypt. Stephen said that Moses was instructed in all of the ways of Egypt, and he was mighty in word and in deed. 
Then for the next 40 years, this one called Moses, he will be humble in the Midian desert and he will have Egypt purged out of him. Moses will learn all about the Jewish tenets of faith. He will learn about Jehovah Jireh. He will be out there tending the sheep and he will see a bush on a mountain burning that is not consumed. He will hear the audible voice of God Almighty. He will remove the shoes from off of his feet because he is standing on holy ground. He has seen the most powerful nation in the world and it pales compared to that mountainside in the glory of Jehovah God. Moses is given the word of God. Moses sees the finger of God write the commandments. Moses is hearing all of these things. I need you to rise up, Moses, and to get back to Egypt. I need you to go bring deliverance to my people. I'm giving you the greatest commission that a man has ever received, and I will empower you. I will strengthen you. You will do signs, wonders, and miracles. You will see the greatest hand of God the world has ever known. Moses, put your hand into your vesture. He said, now pull it out, and it's leprous. He said, Moses, put it back and remove it again, and it's like a new skin again. Moses, take your staff and put it on the ground. It's a serpent. Moses, pick it back up. It will become a staff again. Moses, I am that I am will go with you. Moses, I will use you. Moses, I will bless you. Moses, I will let you be the mouthpiece of God. You will see miracle after miracle, and what is impossible will be possible to you on a daily basis. And Moses is prepared to step out into this call into this season, into this great manifestation of God's power. And we know the story that Moses gets his wife Zipporah and his son and they begin to go on the journey. And while they are traveling to fulfill the greatest calling that a man could ever have, to see the miracles and the signs and wonders and to see millions liberated, talk about a revival service, talk about promise, talk about the blessings of God, talk about deliverance. Moses, you will see what no one has ever seen and Moses is on his way to the journey and he takes a rest for the night we don't know where he's at on the way but he stops at the lodge for the night and the power and the presence of God shows up and God is not there to pat him on the back or to give him more instructions but Jehovah God has come with one mission and one mission only Moses I am here to kill you Wait a minute. You've let him spend 40 years in the wilderness, in the, in the deserts of Midian. You've let him learn about all of the things from Jethro, about accountability. You've learned about home. You've learned about family. He's learned about Jehovah. He's seen the hand of God. He has walked on holy ground. He has seen miracles. He has seen burning bushes. He has heard the audible voice of God. He has been given a declaration to go forward and to perform one of the greatest missions the world has ever seen. And all of a sudden, while he is on the way, while he is going to fulfill the call of God, Jehovah has the audacity to show up and say, Moses, I am here not to discuss. I am not here to talk, but I am here to take your life. What in the 
the world is going on. What is going on is that the Lord understood one thing. Moses, I have taught you the things of God. You know the word of God. And every male child on the eighth day must be circumcised. I know it seems like insignificant, small thing. But Moses, before I let you go into Egypt and before I let you bring deliverance and before my hand rests upon you, you've got to take care of home. Some of us, I'm afraid, look at our lives, we look at our ministries, we look at our professions, and we feel like they are so important, and they are drawing us forward. They're drawing us to an amazing climax, and all is going to be well. But the danger is this. We cannot be deceived. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's not taking care of the little things in the home that will stop us from going into our destiny. Some of us are on a divine delay right now, not because of your faith, not because of your confidence in God, but because you've not taken care of the little things at home and God will not let you go into Egypt and God will not let you walk into your destiny and God will not give you the things he promised you if you're not willing to take care of home. <clears throat> home is the most important thing and I've learned, I've learned, I've walked in some of these steps is Moses, not comparing myself to him in the slightest. But I've walked in my seasons, and I can tell you one thing. When I read the word of God, Moses did not have the strength even to take care of the job. Read the word of God. His wife had to take care of circumcising their own son on the side of a road at a little dirty, dusty inn. And she said, you're a bloody man, Moses. This isn't what I signed up for. Why didn't you take care of this? You were there in his presence. You knew the word of God. You knew the things of God. Today, sir, I'm pleading with somebody. We know know the word of God. Why won't we live by it? And then we wonder why the doors don't open. We wonder why revival doesn't break out on every side because it's got to begin in the home. He will not let us subjugate and go around and bypass his will. We've got to take care of home. We've got to get family in divine order. And I've been there. I've been through my trials. I've been through my tight places. I've been through my night seasons. And I can tell you what, Moses would have died on the side of that dusty, dirty lodge and never made it to Egypt. And we would not preach about him, talk about him to this day if it wasn't for the home. His wife stepped in and said, this is not my job, but I've got to make sure that we fulfill the things of God. And I can tell you today, I would not be here without Penny Gibbs interceding for me, stepping in the gap without JC and Caleb praying for me. It takes a home to bring revival. Moses, I can't let you go into Egypt. It's filled with sorcery and witchcraft. And it's got false gods and idols. They're idol worshipers. I can't let you take Gershom into that city. I can't let you take your boy into that environment. 
if you are not willing to take care of the basic things in the word of God. Because Moses, while you are there seeing the manna, while you're there in Egypt and you're seeing the fire fall from heaven and you are seeing these a water turn to blood, your son will be captivated and he will be in awe of the marvels of Egypt and your own son may be lured away. But Moses, you've got to make sure you take care of things in the home before you step out into your destiny, step out into your future. Ladies and gentlemen, men and women of God, I am not preaching just a ministry today. I am not preaching just to a new people today. I am preaching to everyone under the sound of my voice. We've got to make sure we get things in divine order in our homes. Stand with me today. Deliver your children, Moses, before you try to deliver others. And in the very near future, you will have this sparring match with Pharaoh back and forth and you will be tested again. Pharaoh comes before Moses after the back and forth, let my people go, I won't let your people go. Let my people go, I won't let your people go. Pharaoh comes back with a uh, opportunity, a proposition. He says, Moses, he said, you go with your men. Go and worship your God without your families and your children. And Moses said, no, no, no. Uh -uh. I almost died on the side of the road. If it wasn't for Zephora, if it wasn't for my family, I would have died in that place. And I would have failed the will of God. And I would have not fulfilled my calling and I would have done all of this for naught. But I'm telling you, Pharaoh, I'm not falling for that trick again. Some of us have made that mistake in the past, but this is a new day. Revival begins in the home. Father, it's never too late to step into that role. Mother, it's never too late to step in that role. Young person, single, widower, it's never too late to step into that role and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I will press into the kingdom. I will open the bread of life in my house. I will pray. I will worship. I will not wait for a church service to be the thing that pulls me into his presence. But on Monday when I am all by myself, I can step into the presence of the Lord God Almighty. On a Tuesday after getting a text I don't want, I can jump into the glory of God and worship my way to a victory. On a Wednesday when I'm facing the, the problems, I can worship my God. God, on a Thursday when despair knocks on my door, I will lift up my eyes under the hills for my help cometh from the Lord on a Friday when temptation arises and wants to draw me here or there. I will stand sure on the word of God knowing that though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. I will stand my ground. And on a Saturday when it seems like it's time to step back and to do whatever, no, on that day I have made up my mind. I am preparing for the house of God. I am preparing for what God is going to do tomorrow in my family. Revival begins in the home. Moses said, Pharaoh, us men will not go and pray. I'm not taking it. I'm not selling out. I don't want plan B or plan C. It's one thing and one thing only. We leave Egypt with our wives and our children and all of our cattle, all of our possessions. If we don't have it all, we're not going anywhere. 
And God had to have smiled. And said the, the death sentence, the hit man at the end worked. You're going to go out and train these people on the things of God. All they've seen for 400 years is idol worship. Moses, the greatest thing before I loose you into this nation to birth it forth out of Egypt is I need you to know that nothing, nothing, sir, hear me today, nothing, ma'am, hear me today, nothing, young person, widower, single person, nothing is more powerful and more valuable to you than your home, your family. Moses learned the lesson well. And Moses understood, no, we will all go or we will not go at all. It's all of us or none of us. And you know what? God honored that. And God opened the door. And God delivered them out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And God brought revival into their lives. And God began to show up and to show out before they even got into the wilderness. I'm telling somebody today, revival begins in your home. It begins in your families. And I want the ministers to come as directed by pastor at the early part of the service. And after the ministers begin to make their way, I want people that to gather together with your family as New Life Christian Center has always said if you are here alone and don't have family you will be adopted quickly it is about the family of God we stand at the door of end time revival and if we are going to be that piece of the puzzle my wife talked about it's got to be taken care of in home it's time sir to square your shoulders and to step out into the wind and say my God will make a way where there seemeth to be no way there are families here today that you are under attack. There are marriages here today that have become cold and distant. It is time for God to send the fire of the Holy Ghost into our homes, into our marriages, into our families again. And when we do that, when the family is whole and the family structure is in divine order, you will see then children are born into the home. Babes will come into the kingdom. Altars will produce. Souls will be saved. But it comes back to making sure the home is in divine order. No adoption agency in the world that's worth anything would release a child into your care without making a home visit. The Lord's here today. And he's making a home visit. And for some of us, we're swallowing hard right now. But you can turn that around quickly by saying, Lord, do it your way. I surrender. I give up, Lord. I'm not going to have to, I'm not going to keep trying to do it my way. I'm not going to get so caught up in thinking about Egypt and deliverance and, and, and the red rivers turning to blood and the locusts. I'm not going to get caught up in the deliverance and forget about home. We're in a new life's in a revival season, in a revival service. And I know we're not shouting and jumping and running the aisles at the moment. But I've learned something we don't have results in our crusades in Africa either when there's no preparation for what's coming. In other words, when we do not have altar workers in place, 
and we don't have new converts material in place, and we don't have people ready to disciple those people in place, it doesn't happen. Because God in his wisdom says, why would I let all these babies be born into the kingdom of God if they're only going to be aborted? Or they're going to drift to here, drift to there. It's nothing worse than letting somebody hear the infallible and errant truth of God's word. And then there's nobody there to hold them, train them, nurture them, let them disciple into the kingdom of God, and then watch them drift into false doctrine. We've got to make sure things are right in our homes. Brother Gibbs, we're not in ministry. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> as soon as your, tongues begin, your tongue begin to stammer and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and you went down in those waters of baptism, you became a soul winner. You were born to be a witness, born again to be a witness. I don't know what you were born to do in this life, but I know what you were born again to do. You were born again to be a witness of him in Jerusalem at home first. And if you will take care of home, the word of God cannot be contradicted. He said, then I will open the door to Judea. Then I will open the door to Samaria. Study how Samaritans were in different nationalities, backgrounds. God will bring in a multicultural revival. And if we'll do that, it will go around the world. But before it goes around the world, before the multicultural revival explodes in our churches and in our buildings, before we see Judea and Judah and the praise of God break out, it's going to start in Jerusalem. It's going to start in the home. And today, I want to invite men and women. I want to invite families. I want to invite single people to this altar today to come forward and to say, God, I am ready to let revival break forth in my home. I am ready for revival to break forth in my children. I am ready for revival in my marriage, God. I am ready for revival in my household. Lord, I want to be that puzzle piece. I want to be that family that you can use in this end time and that concludes this podcast if you enjoyed this podcast please like share and subscribe and for those of you on itunes leave us a good rating thank you for listening to the nlcc lancaster podcast